0: Good morning and welcome to the Completely Unnecessary Sceptical Podcast. I'm Nathan and joining me today is Craig. <coughs> Hello. <laughs> and Susie. Hello. So, uh, no one sent us any feedback uh, specifically this week, but interesting story. I, in the process of switching over to our new hosting, um, I had to I, I had to check that we were working in iTunes and it turns out that we have iTunes feedback and customer reviews. Huh.
1: Oh dear. And I thought
0: I would read literally all of them right now. So, are you everyone comfortable? The first one is from Frosty Boy and it says great to have a New Zealand based podcast on skepticism, informal and informative. Good to have some discussion on local issues, but works just as well wherever you come from. Well done. Ooh. Uh, that was from February 18th 2012 if anyone
1: cares (laughs) okay the second that wasn't our last one as well was it
0: no no there's two there's two more (laughs) Uh, Flebus the Phoenician says great podcast definitely in my top five episodes are monthly which is a shame but it adds to the sense of anticipation Uh, the panel are great lots of lively intelligent discussions and belly laughs to be had and the editing is great
1: Mm -hmm imagine the anticipation after a year
0: (laughs) Uh, and the last one is by 2746 a great skeptical podcast plenty of interesting news and comment and interesting to hear things from a new zealand perspective i'm up to episode 20 and i think the quality of discussion keeps getting better Uh, i'm going to assume that that's a, a diminishing returns graph there we'll see how we go Um, There are useful notes on the CUSP's website too, and thank you, Susie, for calling the Ponsonby News on its dubious content. Um, Glad to never have had the displeasure of reading it myself. (laughs) The show is only let down by its poor audio quality. The cast sound like they're checking in via a dodgy Skype connection. (laughs) So you'll appreciate the uh, 40 minutes that we've just spent trying to get the audio right and our recording website to uh to work those are the three feedbacks that we've had and they're all from 2012. right our um okay. our star our star rating on itunes is four and a half stars which i'm guessing isn't bad but that is a total of 10 star reviews right um so what i was going to suggest is if you are still listening to the podcast and you think that we're even vaguely worth listening to, which I suppose you must if you're still listening. Um, and you have the ability to go on iTunes and give us some feedback and some stars, because as I understand it, that is how other people get to see your podcast and how it becomes popular. Um, so the other thing that I've done, which is, oh, that I've got access to now, which was kind of cool is statistics Um, in the old system on on gold's server we had a way of looking up the statistics but it was very much me digging through mountains of data and pulling it out and putting it into a spreadsheet whereas this website just gives us everything in a nice little chart in total since we uploaded to the new server we have had 790 listens this week we've had 138 and we have 133 subscribers. Um, I don't know how it tracks subscribers. It's possible that, that is downloads from a unique IP address or something like that, um, is my assumption. So there you go. Certainly we not people paying subs- money anyway. <laughs> no, it's certainly not that sort of subscriber. And it's not people who have signed up with Pinecast, although I suppose that is a possibility. It might actually be people who have a pinecast account although why would you yeah probably not uh, if you're not podcasting i don't think you would no um so i don't know how it gets that information maybe i'll find out and maybe i'll report back i don't know um yeah so and you can actually i believe you can also give us feedback on the pinecast website um i don't know how to do that um if you figure it out go for it uh if not and you want to know send me an email and i'll i'll look it up and um or a facebook message or whatever yeah so that's my intro to the show thanks for the feedback those people that did and give us some more please Paid. if you feel so inclined
2: can i um can i speak
0: <laughs> oh i don't know
2: hang on how long have i been spe- speaking
0: for okay go on um
2: so I was at Howick College on Thursday giving a talk to some of their young people uh, and one of the teachers came up and was very excited she said, "Oh, I'm so glad to see you." Um, I listened to your podcast and I was like, "Oh Woo-hoo! wow
1: um,
2: And then I forgot to get a selfie with her because I thought that would be cool. Ooh.
0: Oh well, nice. You got recognized in the public in public. <laughs> what was her name?
2: I don't know <laughs> I'm oh, sorry. okay. But lovely, what college did you say? Lovely teacher at Howitt college.
0: Howitt college. Howitt College. Oh, thank you, teacher thank at Howitt you for College. Hello. Um, send us a message and we'll give you a shout out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and if um, yeah, you see Susie again, make if anyone sees Susie or any of us, I suppose, um, Susie's the easiest to recognise. <laughs> um, make sure you get a selfie and we'll put it on our Facebook page. Something like I'm that. I'm sure
1: anyway. we're all fairly distinctive.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Well, I have to. I have to mention the one time that I did get recognised. <laughs> oh, uh, not again. Oh, all right, not fine. Again. I won't tell the story then. Jeez, <laughs> you'll have to go and look it up in our back catalogue, and good luck with that because the descriptions are truncated at the moment, and we don't know why.
1: You're getting a four o four, right?
0: Yeah, something like that. Um, mm. Corrections? No corrections. Notice board. Oh my God! Do you guys know what we have on our notice board right now? You'll never guess. Never go on try and guess oh yeah well, we, you guys do you guys the,
1: know we do have the privilege of being able to look at the notice board you do so yeah, what is anyway. what is
0: it craig what do we have
1: well there's a humanist conference coming up
0: dick that's not what i was talking about the new zealand skeptics conference 2018 <laughs> we have dates and times and a website question mark
1: uh, the website doesn't show very much at the moment, but it's definitely going to be up by the end of the week.
0: Cool. Well, I might may or may not have it edited by then. So, if you're listening to this, go and check and see if there's a website up, and mm. people can buy tickets? Question mark.
1: No, because oh. the website's not up yet. Ah, good point. By the end of the week. Okay. Anyway, end of the week.
2: Craig, yes? what are the dates?
1: The dates are the sixteenth to the eighteenth of November, two thousand and eighteen. It's going to be at Butterfly Creek which is very close to the Auckland Airport, so people who are flying in from out of town or even out of the country will um, be able to stay near the airport and not be inconvenienced as to having to travel into Auckland City itself. That is a bonus.
0: You never <laughs> ever have to touch Auckland proper.
1: Indeed. Uh, and we do, nice... have, and we do have some people who are intending to come from international destinations.
0: Speakers or guests? Yes or both. Well, both. Okay.
1: Both. We we do have a confirmed um international uh guest speaker.
0: Yep. Uh
1: and we also have um uh some people I know wanting to come from Australia and also there was um somebody coming all the way from Oregon. No. Um com- coming to coming to New Zealand and going to be here at the same time and oh, they fantastic conference. Hmm. Cool. <laughs> so that would be cool. Yeah. Um awesome. And was I say? Oh, Butterfly
0: Creek is a cool venue, and it, of course, it also has the butterfly gardens that you can go to as well.
1: Yes, and um, we're actually going. We're, we've actually arranged so that people who are attending the conference can get half price entry to see the um, the butterflies and the um, crocodiles. Excellent. And um, yes, we we had a little tour around there yesterday. It's all quite impressive. Yeah, and it's nice and warm, in the butterfly um, oh, enclosure. yes,
0: that'd be nice. And it is our second time using that conference, uh, that centre, that venue. Yes. Yeah. Yes,
1: we were there in 2010. That was the one good. I helped organise. That was
2: ones. my first conference.
0: Yes, hmm. I think it was. Did you speak? You were speaking on did, yeah. on Andrew
1: Wakefield. I
2: was, yes. Yes.
1: I have a photo of you speaking, standing in front of a, um, a slide <laughs> saying you're not a, a chill for Big Pharma or something like that. Or <laughs> well, I Which am I a think? chill for Big Pharma, maybe.
2: Which I think might even be uh, the, the picture that somebody has used for my Wikipedia page.
1: Oh, ah, right.
0: Okay. Good to know. Mm. So there we go, <laughs> okay. everybody. Big news, finally, uh, is being organized. So oh, the other conference is the Humanist Conference. Do we need to talk about that or is that the one we talked about last time?
1: Uh, I don't know whether we talked about that last time, but um, that's coming up in August. Uh, in- August so that's not very far away August 3rd and 4th um, which is a Friday, Saturday and that's going to be right in the middle of Auckland so if you are flying in internationally then um, you will actually have to um, dirty yourself and go into the central city Ew. okay
0: yeah. anyway. and that's probably interesting and stuff and people are speaking sure and, yeah. yes okay So, moving on to our news items, just a few this week. Um, Was anyone going to talk about this um, crystal energy healer?
1: Sure. Well, I've I've read the article about it, saw the preview. So there's a... um, uh, The ABC network in Australia um, have uh, put together a show... Uh, where they are doing a feature on a guy by the name of Charlie Goldsmith um, who claims to be an energy healer and he can supposedly heal people without even touching them um, and um, yeah it seems seems like um, it it could well be bullshit um, so they, they put together the show um, there's a preview of it on the on the com dot au site. Um, the, the article, the, the last paragraph of the article, uh, written by this Angela Cox woman, who is a reporter for Sunday light says, I don't know if it was placebo. I honestly don't know what it was. I have zero experience in medicine or science, but I'm looking very forward to seeing the results of these rigorous scientific studies to try and understand what I saw, but can't explain.
2: Um,
0: yeah. and the, <laughs> Just before that, she says, what I saw was compelling. In some cases, the results were so remarkable, I wouldn't have believed it if I hadn't seen it with my own eyes. So the whole article is, it's almost trying to be neutral, but very, very subtly um, positive and... Well, it's, trying, it's
1: trying to maintain yeah. balance, I think, and say, "Well, yeah, that's we're, the, we're, what I'm trying to say." Yeah. It's obviously I, promoting um, people to go and watch the. Um, definitely seems to be a fan. Watch the, the yeah. show. Um, so, uh, um, Richard Saunders um, put up a uh, a thing on Facebook this morning where uh, he had the the promo of um, this guy or Charlie, um, whatever his name, Charlie Goldsmith. And um, basically, they had crossed out uh, Charlie Goldsmith and had uh, Yuri right. Geller in there. Um, and basically, those who cannot remember the mistakes of the past are doomed to repeat them. Uh, Yuri Galla says he can bend spoons. That's right, they crossed Versus, off the. Uh, yes.
0: Yeah, and they changed the yes. date of the article to 1974. Or 1973, or something yes. um, yeah. Which was something interesting, particularly interesting about the article, is the statement five of those healings happened under the eye of skeptics, a sea uh, skeptic, Dr. Justin Coleman. And what I thought was notable about that is the fact that it wasn't uh, Richard Saunders, who, if you think about Australians and skeptics, is kind of the most obvious person, the first one you'd think of, in yes, terms indeed. of someone to go to to check an energy healer and give, give you know the other side of the story.
1: Mm. Or, or so I went. To, I went. I went and looked up Dr. Jonathan Coleman, and he has a blog. Justin. And um, oh, sorry, is it jo- oh, Justin? Yes, yes. Jonathan Coleman's a uh, is a New Zealand um, New Zealand MP, isn't he? I uh, don't uh,
2: Was he was?
1: No, oh, I don't know. Anyway, yes. Sorry, like- sorry. Yes, I do mean Justin Coleman um, claims to be a medical skeptic.
0: Also, um, I should point out on his website, with a C. Right. <laughs> with
1: Make a C? him not a real sceptic then. Okay. Well,
0: I mean, most sceptics in the sceptical skeptical, organisations in Australia, New Zealand, UK and so forth use a K. It's sort of traditional. Yes. It's, it's to set us apart from people who say things like, I used to be a sceptic,
1: but... Um, yeah, that's true. And so... T- What stood out to me was that he's got his own website with a blog on it, but his last blog entry was February 20th this year. Um, So to me, I would have thought that he would at least um, have had something about this particular um, TV program that he participated in that would um, let people uh, read the skeptical side of things. Um, If they look him up, people like me who look him up after hearing his name. You'd yeah. think that there would be an article there that would um, would at least put the sceptical position about was... this about yeah. this uh, Charlie Goldsmith guy. So yeah. that's a little disappointing. So Jonathan, uh, Justin, if you're listening, yeah. get on with he,
0: it. Uh, so he may well be a valid sceptic and he may be, um, may be doing a perfectly good job. Um, but one of the statements as well that stood out to me is the uh, chap himself saying so he he seems to be very much trying to get on side with the skeptics because um, he at least claims that before and after he treats people he issues the disclaimers uh, telling them his work may not have any effect and even if they do feel better he tells them it might not last Uh, he also says that he's begging to be scrutinized he has spent two decades trying to get universities to look at what he does. He says he wants a, du- a double-blind study um, considering the gold standard in medical research. He wants science to silence his doubters, uh, which, of course, it probably well, won't do. But,
1: um, <laughs> so he's wanting, he's wanting legitimacy. He wants a double-blind
0: study as long as it comes out in his favour, I assume. But uh, um, yeah. So I thought that was particularly interesting. He's at least saying the words uh whether or not that's actually true um i suppose the the issue is that if someone like this went to a university and said hey um can someone test me uh and see if my my magic energy healing powers are real most of them would probably say um no i don't know i'm not a university (laughs) susie you're closer to universities than i am is that <laughs> the sort of thing that you think a university would be interested in doing? Maybe some students with some uh, spare time or something?
2: Yeah, I can see it. I can see why he hasn't had anybody say, sure, come yeah. along.
1: So um, in another article that talks about him, it talks about uh, he's counting superstars like Olivia Newton-John and Gerald Butler among his clientele. Well, it turns out that Olivia Newton-John is actually his auntie. Ooh,
0: cool. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Uh, so bat she might be on his side.
2: Yeah.
0: Mm. Uh, okay, anything else anyone wants to say about that, Susie?
2: Well, Justin is also on Twitter ah. and a message from two days ago says, nothing I witnessed changed my mind about any actual healing powers of Charles Goldsmith, ah, but right. he seems like a nice enough bloke who does believe in his own method.
0: Okay, well, I guess that's... Um, that's...
1: Well, that's what counts then, yeah. of course.
0: <laughs> yes
1: okay hmm all right well it'd be it'd be interesting to see whether they actually run the um run the show here whether we can get to see it or whether we have to somehow see it online
0: <clears throat> i'm sure there are ways cough cough nudge nudge wink, wink.
1: would you would you know would you i
0: imagine? i don't i've heard that there are ways oh, of, right yeah and so forth and so forth joke has been made
1: um, well, you're on the right side of the the island. You can just point your um, your dish across the uh, across the flat yes. there to Australia to pick up yep. the signal.
0: Yep, seems right. Seems reasonable. Well, you say that, Craig, but Australia doesn't exist. QED. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, right. right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I've been there. Yeah,
0: you've been to the uh, the fake staging area that's pretending to be Australia, and so forth and so forth.
1: And that's not what we were going to talk we'll about see. Okay. It sounded like a really good segue No, didn't no it wasn't
0: But it's it not, did. it's not a segue, psych People still say psych right um, So it's, uh, it's no. I don't know, it's in the news section But it's kind of more of a pub talk I think maybe um, And it's What's going on in The American Supreme
2: Court No, <laughs> What's going on in America full stop
0: Yes, that that in general. But specifically, um, Justice Kennedy is retiring. Uh, And on this news article that I'm reading uh, in brackets, his son was Trump's banker at Deutsche Bank and inexplicably authorised at least $1 billion in loans to the failed businessman with uh, multiple bankruptcies. So what's going on? Is this justice is retiring? He's young-ish, I think. No, and, he's eighty. No, he's, he's, he's eighty. Old.
2: But well, okay, is, but he's wait, he's wait, not. Wait, wait, sorry. Excuse me. The point is that those positions are for life. Yes. They tend not to retire.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, okay, they tend to die,
2: <laughs> or
0: or get sick and can't do it anymore, or whatever. Um, which is the point I was trying to make, is he's relatively healthy and didn't need to retire. Um, Yes, so if I'm not mistaken, and I sometimes am, Trump has or is in the process of appointing two people to the Supreme Court already, and this would make three. No, this would be his second. This would be his second. No, no, no. Okay. Yeah, this would be his second. Okay, so that's not quite as bad, but it is still pretty terrible because I understand this guy... Yeah.
2: The point was that there was another person who Obama should have had the pick yes. of, but because it was election year, they decided that he shouldn't get the pick, and it, whoever got made president would get yeah. the pick.
0: That was the first so, one, the um, first one that Trump appointed. Yeah. Yes, uh, and it was, it, yeah. of course, it was just the um, the Republicans just blocked it, um, yeah, and, and made it very, very just made it impossible for him to get in, um, and so this, as you say, this is the second one, and apparently he's a swing vote um and so replacing him means that the republicans or the conservatives and the religious people in general can potentially overturn roe v wade um and roe yeah. roe v wade if you're not um into american politics or an american yourself um is the and susie might want to jump in if i get this wrong um basically makes abortions legal
2: yeah.
0: Or something to that effect. Yes? Yeah. Um, sometime in the 70s or 80s? The early 70s. 1973. Yeah. Landmark
2: decision on the issue of the constitutionality of laws that criminalised or restricted access to abortions.
0: Yeah. Um, and what this article is suggesting is that the pill will be next after Trump overturns Roe v. Wade. So that's sort of thinking of... As being a, uh, a fait accompli um, right now that it's probably definitely going probably definitely it's definitely going to happen, and what else are they going to go after
1: yeah well that seems that seems seems like a stretch I would have thought, but
0: yeah well I mean that's one of those things that they don't like um, health insurance and companies having to give having to provide. Women with contraceptives and things like that, and as Susie um, rightly pointed out, these appointments are for life, mm. so these two people who are almost certainly going to be heavily right-wing conservative judges and are going to vote the you know the evangelical religious people's side of the issue mm. um, are going to be there for what? 20, 30, 40, 50 years, depending on how old they are. Um, and you can't get rid of them.
1: Unless you somehow artificially Unless shorten you, their life. Yes, somehow <laughs> artificially <laughs> shorten
0: their life. Um, the completely unnecessary sceptical podcast has not endorsed the shooting of Supreme Court justices in the US, <laughs> which, by the way, has a lot of guns. <laughs> Just putting that out there. And <coughs> Trump. Yeah. Um... So that's what I wanted to talk about, and I think we've talked about it. Anyone else? (sighs) It's certainly... Really, really terrifying.
2: Yeah, I mean, it must be very frightening to be in the US at at the moment. Um, Certainly the attack on, I guess, women's autonomy over their bodies is quite astonishing.
0: Yeah.
2: Mm. Yeah. But saying that, over here abortion is a criminal act so getting an abortion it is, a criminal is a criminal act, criminal act. so hopefully Quite right. at some point that will be changed here too
0: it is a criminal act with some what's the word allowances it's allowed under certain yeah. certain which essentially conditions. means most which women have to ideal. lie
2: in order to get one
0: yeah yeah or fudge yeah the, yeah. Yeah. Well, so frankly, uh, I mean, it's it, it can. No, exactly. Exactly. It, but no, quite right. And it can be as simple as saying this is this is a mental health potential problem
2: sort of thing. Is that am I understanding that right? Yes, but yeah, the point is, and finding a doctor yeah. to sign off on yeah. it, I guess, or two doctors, I think. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah they might be right. Two doctors. Um, but we're doing a lot of other things right. Um, oh, it's just it's so. Dystopian future and and it's here. America's falling to bits. It's ridiculous. Yeah.
1: Have you okay, have you watched the on. Handmaid's Tale, Nathan?
0: Yeah, I have. I watched it recently. Oh. I um, I I liked it a lot. In the you liked it, good story. <laughs> no, I, I in the sense, if you will let me finish my sentence, that it is a good story and um, compelling TV. Right. Um, with a very very distressing and upsetting. Potential dystopian future, which is seeming more and more potential every day with news stories like this coming out. Yes. So what I was going to say was, moving on perhaps to a slightly more interesting, um, happier story. Susie, <laughs> this is your responsibility now. Indeed. Tell us what Thrive Plus is.
2: Well, I found this through um, a quite cool uh, website. Um, so McGill University in Canada has got an Office for Science and Technology. And they put out a kind of cool video that's been doing the rounds, um, sort of a spoof video about wellness. Um, But I went on and had a look at some of their stories. And they mentioned this Thrive Plus, which is uh, uh, is the man who runs the company called um, Like Sunscreen for Alcohol. Uh, he describes it as a way to reduce alcohol's negative effects when exposed to alcohol and, as a result, has many positive effects on human health, happiness, and next-day productivity. Is, um, is, it,
0: is it real?
2: <laughs> well, it, it is. It's, uh, I don't know whether we can get it here in New Zealand, but it looks like you can get it overseas. So um, it's a pair of products. There's a uh, pill that you take two to four of called the After Alcohol Pill which is apparently to reduce the symptoms of, the, um, of, of what he calls short-term alcohol withdrawal and also apparently uh, helps the liver to meta- uh, metabolize the alcohol. And then you complement this with oral rehydration solution. Like uh, water. Water. <laughs> water with some stuff in it. Um <sighs> see. Unsure what. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I thought it was really interesting how this product came to be. Because it sounds like the dude behind it was studying religion at Princeton University and he apparently stumbled upon a scientific paper after he had a bad hangover. So presumably he was googling cures for a hangover or something and found this paper published in 2012 in the Journal of Neuroscience and it involved researchers injecting rats with ethanol Um, or with ethanol and a product or a chemical called DHM dihydromyricetin maybe something like that Uh, so it it injected these rats and then basically looked at their behaviour and essentially concluded um, I haven't been able to actually look at the paper apparently the numbers are a bit bit not very good but anyway uh, apparently concluded that um, basically this DHM counteracted acute alcohol intoxication and withdrawal signs. And so spurred on by this, he was like, cool, we should make this DHM into a product for people who don't want to get, well, maybe not to get drunk, but want to be protected from the negative effects of alcohol. Um, And so this DHM does have a kind of a history of, uh, of use in alternative medicine. Uh, apparently it's quite big in uh, chinese medicine it's been used as a treatment for fever and parasitic infections and spasms but also apparently for alcohol poisoning uh i believe it's also a laxative and makes you pee a lot which might also have something to do with perhaps mm. how it might work um but the only thing that i can find uh, around sort of really what's been done in humans is that uh according to this article apparently in their patent application they say they've carried out a trial um it hasn't been published see if you can spot anything wrong with their uh the way they've done the trial so they apparently asked 19 men and eight women to get drunk and report their feelings the next day then they asked them to come back get drunk again but this time they gave them uh thrive plus uh Knowing what it was, uh, and then ask them to report their feelings again, and apparently, the shocking result is that there was a fifty percent decreasing hangover symptoms in <laughs> people who thought who were taking uh, Thrive Plus. Well, anyway. oh, I'm convinced. <laughs> so it's just this astonishing thing that uh, you read a bad scientific paper and then go off and go, yes, I'm going to turn that into a company.
0: Oh, you've just and literally, do a literally really described. Study. Yeah, you've literally described pretty much every alternative medicine ever. <laughs> really.
2: Anyway, so Thrive Plus okay. probably not a cure for your hangover.
0: <laughs> well, you got my hopes up there, Susie. Sorry. And I'm disappointed Sorry.
2: now. Yeah. Well, I'd like um, to see a proper trial.
0: <laughs> Craig's news item will be more uplifting than that, won't it, Craig? science popularization using religion's tools
1: yeah so I I found this article quite well not the article itself funny but the fact that it was um, Ken Ham who shared this article and then went on to say that um, it just shows that uh, uh, science is a religion a blind faith religion and all that sort of stuff that he likes to talk about um, but yeah, so there's this article that says that talks about how science popularizers use religion's tools of awe and wonder to pitch to younger generations that have abandoned faith, yeah. and and so and I think it's a reasonable thing to do. I mean, obviously people um, people have some inclination to have awe and wonder, and that's what religion feeds upon. And so why shouldn't why shouldn't science popularisation feed on that as well?
2: Uh, hang on, but is the implication here that awe and wonder are only allowed to be something that's associated with religion?
1: Yeah. Well, so, so that's, that's the religious people's take on it. Um, The the, the funny part about this is that the, the article itself uh, mentions Ken Ham and it actually, um, I bet you that's how he found it. Yeah. He he Googled Uh, himself and this came up. Yes. That just, that debate, so they're talking about the debate between Ken Ham and um, Bill Nye, and it says that debate illustrated the silliness that results when religion is regarded primarily as a collection of factual claims about the cosmos rather than a practice of worship. When religion and science are set up as competing theories of cosmology in a fight that follows the rules of science, there's little doubt that religion will lose. Ah. <laughs> and um, um, I and bet that, Ken
0: Ham loved that.
1: Well, I, I doubt very much that he actually read that. Oh, I see. Um, yeah. So he shared this
0: without checking, is what you're saying?
1: Indeed, indeed, okay. yes. Um, and it, and it basically even goes on to say that um, the 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 biblical literalists, the pseudo scientific claims of biblical literalists, literalists, as well as and the well actually responses of science popularizers, which are typically presented as the overconfident last word. Um, Mm. yeah so i thought that was quite funny that the the article uh, basically did not paint him in a good light interesting but anyway susie you were going to go on and say
2: uh no i wasn't gonna say about awe and wonder oh yeah just um kind of surprised that awe and wonder is something that the religious seem to only think belongs to them
0: yeah well Mm. there's nothing new there either um Mm. I feel like we should have a bell every time we we talk about Ken or kin. <laughs> Ding.
1: Yes, All right. indeed.
0: Okay, so everyone okay with that? Anything mm. else? Okay. Oh, I
2: added something. I added something. Oh yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. I was just about to do it. Your psychic yes. pets, you mean? Yes. Um, Susie, do you want to tell us about psychic pets? And can I make a psychic prediction? Does it involve <laughs> a maths? comedian
2: oh how did you know how i'm you psychic know? <laughs> i saw this youtube video your Back cat on. told
0: you didn't he yeah my Nathan. cat my cat told me my cat also predicted that um someone give me a name of a country england would australia win. is england in, in this
2: thing yes england anyway sorry go susie uh, anyway, it's just that um, if you haven't heard about this already, so stand-up mathematician Matt Parker um, is gets really annoyed when um, pets, psychic pets are sort of dragged out, usually around uh, big events like the World Cup and stuff. Um, so if you remember from the last World Cup, there was a psychic octopus that predicted the I do the winners. remember that. Yeah, so he uh, is annoyed and would quite like it that... Um, when these sorts of events happen, we could talk about statistics and uh, all the sort of things um, around, you know, well, what, what, why, might some, why might there suddenly be a psychic pet? Um, I'm not
0: sure. I use the word annoyed, which sort of suggests that someone's sitting on their couch going, oh, as opposed to someone who's literally set up an entire website.
2: Wait, wait, wait. Just let me get to that. Okay. The, so the reason he's set up the website is because he wants to be able to show whether you know what are the chances of getting a psychic pet right <laughs> indeed so the idea is that he wants people with pets to uh he wants you to record your pet making a prediction about uh one of the uh, one or as many actually of the games in the world cup as you'd like for them to predict and then upload it onto the psychic pets website uh and he wants thousands and thousands of pets so that he can get the pets that by chance will have predicted, you know, the that right come.
1: one or more. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah,
2: so it's just really cool. Uh, so it's psychic petscom If you have a pet, you've still got time to go and and record their responses. Uh, there are some hilarious, hilarious responses. People trying to coax chickens and all sorts of things to, to do the predictions. Yeah. Um, so go and help Matt Parker. So out the basic format,
0: as I saw in the video, was he had three balls, with the three different outcomes of the event, and you throw the three balls, and your dog brings one of them back, and that's their prediction. It for depends
2: the, on the animal. Sure. For dogs, so it's, um, there are people who uh, you know have like three yeah three the three sort of um so win draw or lose with a bit of food next to it let your animal go and see yeah. which one they go and they eat first. how are the cats doing um, that? because so, that was my sort of question uh, yeah well so the cats the the one guy that i saw he just had them kind of out on the floor and then he let the cat go and just saw which one the cat went to first oh you know what would be um, a good one
0: an empty room hedgehogs. with like three bits of paper on the floor so you put a bit of paper somewhere <laughs> a cat will go and sit on it
2: it will Yes, so which one of those would be? Anyway, so yeah, go and help Matt Parker out. Go and get your pets to do a prediction and then put it up on the website. So
0: I was going to ask, do we, we still have time? How much time do we have? How many more weeks is this going on?
2: Oh, it's like forever. It? <laughs> I, I just,
0: it seems like it's been going on for so long. I assumed they'd be nearly done by now, but I guess we go to the website and have a look, right?
1: You're asking the wrong people, okay. maybe.
2: Yeah, the irony is
1: I
0: don't like, even really care that much. I was just wondering how much... Effort people should put into looking into it. You're looking it up, are you? So the
2: yep. Yeah. So it looks like the quarter finals are happening oh 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 you maybe only have a week or so to do okay. it. Okay,
0: so get onto so that get people. To it. And probably yeah, predict get like on the final it. thing or whatever, yeah? I the guess. The final
2: is going to be the final is going to be on the sixteenth of July. Okay. So that is so a couple two of two weeks. weeks' time. Yep. There's one, two, three, four, five, six. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Uh, there's, there's like, uh, possibly as many as ten matches that you can still play. Oh, oh, that's
0: cool. So that's a go lot. and do it. Yep. <coughs> so you upload the web, your your video to the website, and then they've got people also checking yeah. the videos to make sure that they're not. Penises or whatever.
2: I have no idea <laughs> I have no idea what they're doing to check. No, he the said, website he said, is not that easy to navigate, oh, okay. but um, give it a no, try. He, he, is,
0: he was also asking for volunteers, so people who log in right. and check the videos. And I guess if you get three people <coughs> verifying a video or something like that. Anyway, cool. That's awesome. And very, very
1: interesting. And now we be and... a verified psychic. Oh, <coughs>
0: yeah, they should do that. And we, see, right. the psychic could just tell us in advance which of the pets is psychic save save the whole issue
1: yes
0: okay so woo zealand craig tell us about fit jeans i assume that's not like the straight the straight jeans that that Mm -hmm. hug you hug your legs or something 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 i'm tired don't expect good jokes when i'm tired
1: okay no so i went along to a talk on thursday night I think it was the last Thursday night. Um, so there is a local uh, dentist uh, in my area who uh, has a side company called Fit Genes. And so she's a practitioner. Um, uh, so basically does genetic testing of people and then makes lifestyle recommendations um, about how they can have a basically lose weight and all that standard stuff that um, people tend to claim um, from having their genes tested. And that is just to be
0: clear, that is actually pseudoscience at the moment.
1: Well, who knows? (laughs) All right. Tell us,
0: keep talking about the talk then.
1: So it was a very long talk. It was split into um, two sections So the first. The first hour was um, talking about genetics um, at a fairly sort of technical level. Um, so so she first started, int- she introduced herself and basically told us that um, she had gotten into this by getting tested herself um, and that she previously had migraines all the time and been trying to get pregnant and was having lots of miscarriages. Um, and then she got this genetic testing done and she made some changes to her uh, um things that she ate and the way she lived her life and now and then she became pregnant and and had all this um success and and health in her life um and so now she's gone on to start running this uh franchise of this company um to help others out um obviously at a cost um and we'll come bucks. On to that. Whoa. yeah so um yes yeah, so did
2: i just i sorry I, no
1: no no that, that's fine <laughs> um yeah so if you if you get the full testing done um yes it's going to cost you basically oh i think eleven hundred dollars um so they basically do a, a swab of your cheek uh they send the sample away to this company in australia and they analyze um 58 different um SNPs, so single nucleotide polymorphism sites um to figure out what particular alleles you've got um and and then they give you back a report that categorizes each of your 58 um snips into a, a, a red or a orange or a green and green supposedly means that um, you, you you're all good in that area and red means that it's really bad and so what she's talking about is she she basically titled her talk about epigenetics and so what she's saying is that once you have this information then she can design you a program where you can modify the way you eat or you exercise or whatever in order to change your gene expression to a healthy version of that gene um
2: See, it's not clear to me how knowing what the SNPs are will have anything to do with understanding the epigenetic stuff. Did she explain yeah. it? Did she talk about methylation and all that kind of stuff?
1: Well, she did a bit. Um, mm-hmm. And so that kind of confused me a bit because I'm obviously not yeah. a... I don't know that much about um, <laughs> DNA.
2: So, so hang on. So the whole point about epigenetic epigenetics so it's a kind of it's a i guess a growing understanding about about genes and the fact that you can change the expression of genes um at different points so there's the whole so SNPs are basically changes in the dna code that then uh then change what's actually um the the gene that ends up being uh, expressed and then mm-hmm. epigenetics is about changing the way the genes are expressed and there's all sorts of different things that we now know about there's things like there's things like methylation and so there's there's stuff that you can find out but you wouldn't find them out the way that it's got nothing to do with the snips basically to find the epigenetics and i guess the point about this what they call nutrigenomics is this idea that you could change the expression of the genes which again kind yeah. of there's nothing to know Nothing to do really with knowing the sequence of the genes. So I'm kind of intrigued how she puts those two things together. But I will, Mm. I haven't, I'm sorry, I haven't had time to listen to her talk. And I've actually wrote in, I've got a, a basically a professor of, uh, of personalized medicine. So how can we use somebody's genetic profile and information about their methylation status and stuff to find out about their health and to make, um, changes so this is a sort of it's becoming a legitimate part of medicine but the question is whether these people are actually doing like have the capability and any of the knowledge to do that yeah Um, so i'm going to get him to go through it and we will we will do a follow-up from on this
1: yeah well that'd be good so the, the thing that scared me was that she throughout her talk, she sounded very much like um, an alternative medicine um, practitioner. Um, She's claiming to be uh, training GPs in this technology, uh, saying that she's building up networks of people of health practitioners who um, know how to do this stuff. So she talked about having a network of um, naturopaths, um, chiropractors, physiotherapists, osteopaths, GPs, who all sort of know about this stuff. Um, To me, it seems like she's making all these claims that sort of border on um, quackery, sort of treating. Well, no, 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 actually border on the sort of stuff that you should be talking to your GP about. So that made me think, well, she's kind of acting like a health practitioner for people. Um, Mm. And and then so I thought, OK, well, if you are a health practitioner, could we complain that she's actually, say, practising medicine without a licence? And so I went to the, um, the New Zealand um, health Medical Council's website to find out exactly what constitutes practising medicine without a licence. And it's such a narrow definition that basically nobody would ever really fit into it. Really. Um, you, you, you have You basically have to be a doctor so you have to have studied medicine and then you have to basically set yourself up to be actually offering medicine but without a license. Oh. And that's really the only way that you can be in that category of practicing medicine without a license. <laughs> so oh. so um, yeah. That to you, me you can practice- is such a narrow category that nobody would ever fall into. So they that.
0: want to they want to stop people practicing without a without a license, but only trained doctors.
1: Huh. Yes. Pretty, Pretty much. much. I, I guess if you if you were a Joe public person like myself who said I'm I can treat your whatever ails you and um and I'm I'm claiming to be a doctor then I guess I would technically fall under that category. But anybody in their right mind is never going to it do could that. Could
0: refer could apply to people who have lost their licenses for some reason.
1: For yes, exactly. What yes, you. and then want to and then want to carry on. Um, and
0: then try and yeah try and keep uh, practicing
1: and carry on doctoring and um yeah
0: okay fantastic uh,
1: so yeah I mean this is the, the the talk was about an an hour well so the first the first talk was about an hour long the second talk was about an hour and a half long um yeah and there was a lot of the second the second half of it was basically her telling us about what she did um and how she did it and it just very much sounded like woo to me um so, but anyway we'll be interested to get your your take on it Susie and mm. and your your experts uh, it, it feels to me like she's basically preying upon um, people who've got a bit of discretionary income to to spend on this sort of thing and um, yeah it's okay a bit of a worry there's um if you listen to the latest uh, SGU episode, they have a very good discussion about genetic testing um, in the wider context of like the yeah. twenty-three and Me and testing, whether it's, whether where it's you are sort difficult of
0: difficult to do it or not, and sort of
1: yeah, and and so the the, the one of the main points that they am making is that um, these sorts of things is actually always uh, risks and yeah. benefits from getting tests done, and um, then that certainly was not. Uh, emphasized in any way in this talk um, it it was all there was all the positive side of things um, no negatives to doing this at all everybody yeah. should get tested um, if you want to if you want to change your life if you want to improve your health um, then get tested and then she'll be able to um, help you out with all these things so I did a bit of re- reading on the web about these various um, various interventions and to me it seems like there are there are some preliminary research research articles that mm. um, they are jumping to conclusions from and saying, okay, well um, you've got this particular mutation, um, and there's been thirty studies done around that area. So let me try out different things that might help you huh. and see how they go. And so she was very big on very big on supplements. Naturally, mm. um, so the idea is that. Yeah, so that these indicators tell you, oh, you should be taking these supplements here. Uh, One of the things she was talking about was that uh, one of the big things was vitamin D receptors. Um, And that you can be getting vitamin D, but you might have this mutation that basically shuts off your vitamin D receptors. And therefore, you can't process the vitamin D that you're getting. And that leads to all sorts of um, Mm. health problems. Um, and then there was another one where she was saying that you should be taking uh, uh, nine grams of fish oil, well, we... um, which is a huge oh, dose really? yeah. <laughs> uh, to have some particular beneficial effect. Uh, and then there's then there was a, this other test that she was promoting called the CARB Choice Test, where they basically um, test the amount of amylase that you've got in your saliva. And that supposedly dictates uh your tolerance to carbohydrates Mm. in your diet um and so apparently you've got anywhere between you've got this copy number variation between two and 20 copies of this gene and that then determines how well the saliva in your mouth breaks down carbohydrates um while while they're in your mouth before they before they um so how does that work if you Um, if you
0: break it down do you digest more of it or less of it and which is good and which is bad.
1: Yeah, well that see that's, well, that's So I read I read I read the study. There was a study back in 2010 that basically said that the amount of amylase that you've got in your saliva determines how strongly you taste starch. And so then there were some follow-up studies that went on to look at how digestion works with amylase. So I'm confused as to whether having a high number of copies or a low number of copies is, copies is good or bad. Um, it would seem to me that if you can digest it better, then you would be better able to um, extract calories from carbohydrates. And yeah, it'd um, so be more more effective. And, then and that would need have a,
0: less of it in order to get the same fat content or whatever. Yeah.
1: Yeah. so. So, um, so she, so she sort of put it in simple terms of saying, "Okay, well, this test tells you whether you're allowed to eat two slices of bread a day yeah, or yeah. nine slices of bread a day," um, which is, kind of has the hidden assumption in there that uh, eating bread is necessarily bad for you, or that anyone um, would eat
0: nine <laughs> slices of bread in a
1: single day. Yes
2: she is somebody who is on the whole gluten free no ah, alcohol Right. Yeah, thing, yeah, yeah, so. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean that assumption was just there that yes you should definitely uh, be ah. eating gluten free. So so um, unless you have a particular gene that says you shouldn't. At
0: what point in the um talk did that come up because I feel like that would have been my walking out point.
1: <laughs> oh, I have a bit of tolerance for these things, Nathan.
0: And we're all very glad that you do. Oh, and, and and in
1: particular since she actually knows me. Um, oh, really? Because she's really? a local one. So it turns um. out that she's got the same um, breed of dog that we have. Um, ah. <laughs> so we actually do know each other. She knows who I am, although she probably doesn't know what my background is. Um, okay. i make
0: sure and send her a copy of this.
1: Um, so she can... <laughs> yeah, indeed. Um, and 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 actually, the audience was interesting. I think there were probably about 30 people who came along, and I was one of about three men in the audience.
0: Okay. Um, did you recognise anyone else in the audience? Well,
1: well I did. Uh, it happened that I sat next to um, a physiotherapist who had treated me um, a couple of years ago when I hurt my foot. Um, yeah. And so I got talking to him. Um, and uh, he's a bit of a woo-believer, I think. Um, okay. Susan went along to him for some physiotherapy and he suggested to her that she should have acupuncture. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and um, she said now, no. you say no.
0: that, and and this might be a topic for another another episode. But did he recommend acupuncture or dry needling?
1: Uh, he was definitely recommending acupuncture.
0: Okay, because an a lot of physiotherapists do dry needling. Well, that's oh, my recollection of it. But anyway, you know, anyway, I
1: I had a conversation with him um, during the break, and we sort of got onto the topic of why I was interested. And I said I was very interested in science. Um, and then eventually I revealed to him that um, uh, I was the chair of the New Zealand Skeptics and then we got into the conversation that, well, science doesn't know everything and, um, yeah, <laughs> it went, kind well, of went downhill a bit from there. No, it I know, and, know I said, and, I, and I said to him... I said to explain him that, that? And I said to him, well, science doesn't claim to know everything, um, but uh, th- th- there's a very good process for finding out what's true and what's not and uh, if we... If we just go on uh, uh, anecdotes and personal experience, and we will back to we'll be back to uh, bloodletting and balancing of the humours,
0: leeches. Yeah.
1: <laughs> cool. Yes. So
0: this next one is great. I haven't heard much about it, but it's on my list of things to see. Wellington Paranormal.
1: Yes. Yes. This one's a bit, bit of a worry, actually. Oh, is it? Um, there's a. <laughs> oh, okay. Yes. Are you being facetious? Well, carry on. No, there's this new TV series that's coming out uh, starting on the 11th of July on TV2. Um, and it's about paranormal activity in Wellington. It's called Wellington Paranormal. And they've got the police involved in all this paranormal activity. And I I think the Skeptic Society should do a fro- protest on this that so why weren't we consulted?
0: Yeah. Okay. <laughs>
1: They never contacted us about this.
0: No, no, you're right. They didn't. Apparently, there's
1: been crop circles turning up in Wellington. Yeah, there's been. Had, uh, where yeah. is their
0: crops in Wellington? It's like someone's back garden or something. <laughs>
1: anyway, anyway, it does look like a good, uh, a good entertaining. service. it's from the people who um, uh, made uh, what we do in the shadows, uh, which was the mockumentary about um, vampires. Vampires. Yeah. Um, and so this will be along the same sort of lines.
0: And if you um, haven't seen that, it is a good movie documentary. Yes, whatever. Uh, it's very funny.
1: yes, so yes, we're not serious about this. This is a mockumentary, <laughs> but well, I do think it would I be quite a good I, I do think it would be quite a good publicity stunt for the the yep. New Zealand skeptics to be up on arms about it.
0: yeah <laughs> we should get um one of those guys from the from the original movie to come on and be a spokesperson for it and help us do the protest
1: right any, well, any of I, them I that actually, aren't going
0: to be in the actual show or whatever
1: i actually do know one of from one of the producers of the um of the new show oh really um, so can you get yes, us an interview possibly. with some
0: of the writers or actors or
1: maybe the, you know, the fam- the famous people maybe all right, yeah, maybe. We'll see what we can do.
0: Ask around, see what you can do. Okay, yeah, fantastic. So that's something to look forward to. And mm. I think we still have time for Delia's dubious device, the Ooh. Pip Upside Down pip. Eye. Oh, was an exclamation What? Carry on. I thought it said pippy, <laughs> but the eye was a pippy. upside down for some reason. It's not a
2: pippy. It's the pip. No, it's the pip. Um, so I'm kind of... I'm not quite decided on this one yet. It seems to me it's more likely to be bullshit than not. Um, but I'm I'm still busy trying to find all the data around it. So what the hell is the pip? Have you heard of the pip?
0: I have not heard of the pip.
2: Okay. So no. it is Well, um, until a just little, now. So it is billed as a anti stress device. Uh, it's a little a little thing that you hold apparently between your finger and your thumb and it measures uh, skin conductance um, in response to stress so apparently when you're feeling stressed you're supposed to get this little pip um, hold it between your fingers and then you uh, log on to their app and then basically their app is going to respond to the conductance of your skin uh, and show you do some kind of activity that apparently will um be responding to you in oh. real time uh and then you are supposed to basically uh kind of de-stress
0: so quote-unquote so. biofeedback so, yeah. sort of yeah you. so you think about so, different things yeah. and the pip figures out that you're doing it and says oh well done you've decreased your stress or whatever yeah yeah it's yeah. bullshit okay
2: visualizing so, your stress whoa 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 yeah great, so great, great, right, hang, great, hang on great, great, okay
0: great. let's not jump to conclusions here where's your evidence
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the conductivity of your skin is influenced by so many factors
2: that—that's what I was going to say. So you let me finish my. Oh, okay, device,
1: all right, don't. okay.
2: Um, so. That, so that's yeah. So the idea is that you, it's basically measuring uh, this electrodermal activity, um, and supposedly when you're stressed, there'll be uh, you'll basically sweat, sweat more, and this will increase your electrical conductivity. And so this is, and the fingertips is apparently the best place to measure this, according to the website. Everything else I've read says that's bullshit. It's actually not the fingertips. I would say place. under your
1: arms. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> it's sort of actually, um, um,
2: well, it's it's so, a. So here's where, so here's what I got. So I read it all, and it sounded bullshit. So I started doing some searching, and so this whole idea of skin conductivity uh, to measure responses to thing is actually a real thing. And so what I found was loads of papers where, um, you know, they're trying to look at could this be a measure, a sort of non-invasive measure of seeing where the patients are stressed during a particular kind of procedures and things, especially patients that are. Um, maybe less responsive and so like you know I mean it was all sorts of things but mostly done on quite ill people who will be uh, you know who may well not be fully compass mentors I guess Um, Yeah, so presumably
1: they would have medical grade electrodes attached to people.
2: Right, exactly. And so what I also then found was a whole bunch of studies were like, well, actually, uh, so yes, this seems to be a good way to non-invasively measure stress. But it does depend on where the electrodes are, when they're put on, how long they're used for, how long do you measure for? Uh, there seems to be a difference for women in whether they're on their period or not. There's like like a hundred more yeah. things. Yeah, so so yeah,
1: yeah so, so I mean, if you if you if you're holding on to this thing, you're aware that you're measuring your your stress, yeah. you, and versus well, so if I'm you are just... a a patient and you've got these electrodes and you kind of forget about them after five minutes that they've been on, right. then, right. yeah. Well, you might not difference. even
2: actually be aware of them at all because of all the yeah. other shit that's going on with you, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's why, so this feels like a lot of the things that we've talked about today, including Thrive Plus and all the other stuff, is that there's something that's potentially some really good science in there that has some real uses and it's being kind of misused to sell A product or you know in this case it's a hey we're going to help you visualize your stress and actually i mean that could just be measuring nothing or anything (laughs) it's just making you focus for a few minutes and think about are you stressed or not you know so it could go um, either
0: way depending on the person
2: yes exactly and one of the things I read about uh, I read uh, somebody who wrote about it and he said oh you know my wife can de-stress in five minutes you know she can do the activity and get herself down to de-stress it takes me about 15 minutes and it's like wow (laughs) has it actually got anything to do with your ability to (laughs) de-stress or is it this machine is measuring god knows what and it differs between you and your wife
0: Um, it sounds a little bit like this is basically um, an e-meter I was going to say e-meter Ah, stop jumping in
2: (laughs) What I haven't found yeah. out is how expensive they are. I should find that out. The other
0: thing oh. that's um, conspicuously missing from the frequently asked questions is, does this work, or where's the science? Yeah. Um, what is it? Why would I want to visualise? And that's it, basically. And where can yeah. I buy
2: it? Yeah. It's, hmm.
0: Anyway. I'm sceptical, yes. yeah. as it were.
2: Yeah, so... So what we have, what I'm not clear about is whether this there is actually some legitimate use for this so stuff which from the paper the research does seem you did be, but not in this yeah, way so
0: is that the research you did would that are you asking whether this particular device might actually do what it's saying or just that there is actually some genuine
2: there is some genuine science behind this conductivity right. stuff but it's mm. not at all clear to me that your fingers are the yeah. right place and that this device will do anything
1: I think that um, wearable technologies like Fitbit watches and stuff are likely to do a much better job of assessing your level of stress than something that you pick up when you think you're feeling yeah, stressed. Yeah, pulse rate and stuff. Because like that. they're basically they're monitoring they're monitoring various things like your pulse rate and so on for extended periods yeah. of time, mm-hmm. um, and so it's more likely that, you, that they that they're going to get a reading of you without you being aware of of the fact that you were stressed at the moment and you're taking this reading it's also the sort of
0: thing that people mm. tend to wear all day as well so it's just yeah. constantly monitoring yeah. so you get time. a baseline yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. all right cool that is certainly dubious mm. well done anyway. tick that box um okay
2: but yeah i wonder how much they are
0: I oh did not i know thought that was are. one of the facts i didn't click on it because i don't
2: care i didn't, I didn't see that
1: well how, how much would you, how would you pay how much would
0: i pay how much wouldn't i pay
1: <laughs> well, what do you think this thing's worth?
0: Um, I'm going to go ahead and say uh, fifty US. Okay, that's my guess. Okay. Susie, uh,
2: I oh I know how much it is now.
1: Oh, you look so, Craig. So She's presumably, already... well, so presumably. How does it work? It, it what? It has some sort of Bluetooth connection to your phone, does it? Yeah. It Looks like yeah. It looks and like I would have to have so some power apparently. source. It looks roughly well, the same. As, it's powered by red <laughs> batteries, but
0: it looks roughly <laughs> the same size as a as a Pokemon Go remote, if that helps anyone. Okay. And very similar in.
1: Uh... I would I, yeah. I would say it's more likely to be something like a hundred dollars US. Okay.
0: I clicked on. Are oh, there no what?
2: One hundred and seventy nine US dollars.
1: Oh wow.
0: Uh, by Prices yes. Right rules, you win. By well, any rules, just pretty much you win, I guess. All right, I'm um, closing that now. I'm done with that.
1: Okay. So you're not interested in purchasing? Uh, I suspect, not even two for the price of one.
0: I suspect I will probably not be purchasing it. Although two for the okay. price of one puts it closer to my um, to my guess, slightly. Uh, today's word of the day: itch sounds vaguely familiar but I don't think we've done it before it's certainly not on my list is geniform. J-A-N-I-F-O-R-M Geniform. or Janiform possibly
1: something to do with the shape of something
0: well maybe, I don't know I mean I do know obviously um, I'm not trying not to give any clues <laughs> shape of Janiform dot
1: dot dot it's a it's a form that janitors fill out at the end of their shift.
0: <laughs> I I'm pretty sure Craig nearly always jumps in first on this one. On our, on our cuz I have no clue. And I have no clue. I think maybe except we should the be shape or something. We should be fairer. I should roll a die to see who gets to guess first.
1: Oh. well, look. I have I I you've got I have no idea what the whole word means. We've got nothing Sorry, except put, that form obviously means the shape or general structure of something okay but who knows what the Jenny part means
0: well i do and some of our listeners hopefully do i hope that some people out there are saying oh i know what that is or i can figure that
1: out janny i ho- i
2: have no idea what janny means either
1: um can you not use english language words nathan
2: <laughs> all english
0: language words as far as i know <laughs> i know but things that have their root in english rather than some um, other so foreign what about... hang language
2: on, hang on. so Craig, shush.
1: Yeah, Craig, um, shush. Sure.
2: <laughs> what about, so January and stuff, that, does that come from, um, where does that come from? No, it's probably not what I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of Janice and stuff. So two-faced. So is, uh, so is Janiform something around having two,
1: mm, two? You might be
0: right. Yeah. Can I just two say that I get criticised a lot with these
1: Why don't you pick words
0: that we can guess And I'm like Well I like, pick words that I think you've got a chance of guessing
2: And yeah. Susie just got a over- fucking point Really? Yes oh oh, well done. It means
0: <laughs> yeah. having two faces Because well Janice done.
2: I think that might be my first ever point isn't I think, it Uh No you
0: got Oh where am I I think I gave you a point you shouldn't have. You've got a f- half a point somewhere, and you've got a point for
1: zanyism.
0: Oh, okay. Why did I, I give you a point that for that? What the
1: hell was that anyway? Uh, bah- <laughs> no, buffo- see, that's the problem. You're not teaching us well enough, Nathan, because no, no, we can't remember their definitions of them after the fact.
0: Obviously. It's buffoonery, apparently. But I gave you a point for mm. behavior, which is not... Um, I, I, I was feeling anyway, generous, this, apparently.
2: This I should get two points for, because like, I nailed that one, Right.
1: You pretty much nailed it. I'm going to so give you. I'm going to give you a, very good, very good analysis. Yes, I'm gonna I give I, you a I, point I and a
0: half a point for being very, very accurate. Yes. <laughs> uh, and Craig, of course, gets zero. And I didn't ask us if anybody else was there if they wanted to guess. No. And I got no, zero no. points. That's one of the few times I've got zero points. But anyway, I'm not really counting my points. <laughs> Yay! Well, that was exciting. See, that was see, exciting. they are words you can guess. <laughs> uh so that leaves us with the quote of the day craig
1: yes this is a quote from a woman by the name of margaret atwood do you know who that is margaret
0: atwood is the author of uh and it's just gone blank the the show we were just literally just talking about um not the paranormal one but the other one um handmaid's tale
1: very good okay and
0: possibly others but that's the only one i know of
1: yeah. Okay. So anyway, she said, "When I was young, I believed that non-fiction meant true, but you read a history written in, say, 1920, and a history of the same events written in 1995, and they're very different. There may not be one truth; there may be several truths. But saying that is not to say that reality does not exist."
0: Mm, yeah, it's a good good quote, and it's right. It's one of those things that a lot of people just sort of assume that non the fiction fiction means Stuff that's been made up in non-fiction... Well, I guess that is almost exactly what it means, <laughs> yes. actually. But yeah, but
1: there, there is yeah. one objective view of truth of, yeah. of things that have happened. And yeah. uh, that is not the case.
2: Yep. Oh, can I butt in here? So I have read... I don't know, you've really been butting in a lot, book. Susie.
0: Just
1: saying.
2: I, I'm just... I'm on, I'm on fire today. Okay. Um, oh, an Instance at the finger post, And it's a beautiful book written from three different perspectives and so you uh you like you read the first story and you kind of feel like you get okay so i know what the story is and then somebody um basically like the second story then kind of it's about a murder and the second story fills in all the bits because it sees it from someone else's perspective oh i like Um, that And it's kind of really it's really nicely done um Hmm. i will find you the author okay uh, Just
0: put it in the agenda and I'll put it in the show notes as well.
2: Um, instance of the finger post by Ian uh, pears. There you go. How about it? Really, really nicely done. But it's this kind of idea, I guess, of truth. Yeah. And so and the and that when you when you see things from different perspectives, um I like yeah. that, that's hmm. cool. Different people have different ideas of what actually happened. Cool. All right, fantastic. And
0: it's an instance of the fingerpost by Ian Pierce. Cool. All right, and that's our show. Thank you for listening, everybody. You've been listening to the Completely Unnecessary Skeptical Podcast. If you'd like to send us a missed feedback, check out our Facebook or our website, thecusp.org.nz. <laughs>